Welcome to our first season of the podcast, Grow From Darkness. We are your hosts, Amanda Blackwood. And Chrysanthi Dokos from Coast to Coast. As some of our listeners know, we're both survivors of complex trauma, and it's our mission to help others experiencing similar issues. This season, we're going to be digging into trauma reactions, their long-term consequences, and how we fight back to live our best lives. Well, Chrysanthi, we are back for yet another week of our podcast. It's wonderful to see you again, or hear you, rather. (laughs) I know. It's lovely to hear you, too. And I look forward to the day where we actually see one another. That will be very exciting, won't it? It will. Hopefully not too far in the future, because I don't want to wait too much longer. I just feel like our friendship has just turned into this beautiful thing, and I I just want to revel in it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Give each other a big hug. Yes, exactly. For all the the times that we've been able to be there for each other and to help one another. And speaking Mm. of, that's a good transition. uh, Today, we're actually talking about the inability to ask for help. And I know there's been a couple of times when we've been able to help each other uh, without having to ask for help. Mm. But I think it's also important to learn how to ask for help, especially when you've come through trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um it's interesting because trauma is one of those things that affect us in such a way that um, we often self-sabotage through not asking for help. Right. And, um, it, yeah, it can make, leave you feeling mentally and physically exhausted if you're constantly doing things on your own. Um, so it's important important that we do reach out to each other and and seek support because being human is about connecting with each other and having trust and intimacy with other people um, having that sense of feeling being supported and valued by somebody else and vice versa Um, others feeling that you value them and support them so it's you know human beings are social creatures so right. we need to be able to be in an um, interactive situation and ask for help. Right. We are hardwired to need other people. We are. We are. But trauma puts us in a spot where it's, it's like an abyss in front of us not being able to ask for help. Um, Absolutely. And it's a really sad and lonely and isolated place to be. I mean, and this is a very common thing uh, for trauma survivors. It can have such an impact on our lives. Mm. People that are unable to ask for help. I mean, just for myself, I can say that it caused me to start experiencing some really bad physical health. I was going through severe stomach pains and uh, hives and it, all kinds of nasty stuff for so long. I suffered with having hives all over my body from my toes to my head every single day for a year and a half before I finally sought medical help on this. You know, wow. I started experiencing some major issues with uh, weight gain, regardless of dietary um, concerns, and and you know, taking very good care of myself and working out regularly. I started experiencing this major weight gain back in 2018 and I wasn't diagnosed with thyroid disease until last year. Wow. 
So I still have this issue of not being able to ask for help, specifically mm. medically. Mm. Yeah. And some of that is directly related to the trauma that I experienced. So when I was in Scotland, I had a kidney that was trying to shut down and I nearly died. And I didn't care at the time. My thought was, if I die from this, they're going to do an investigation on him. And they're going to figure mm. out that not everything was kosher. Mm. Mm. And that was my thought process. It wasn't a, I don't want to die. It was a, hey, if I do, maybe something will then be done. Yeah. Maybe they'll find out the truth. Yeah. And I also grew up in a military household where the phrase, suck it up, buttercup, was a common phrase. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you put up with it. You figure it out. I think a lot of this same kind of trauma too because when I broke my foot when I was 15 years old I broke it in three places and my mother asked me to walk to the car wow it was kind of a horrific experience honestly and looking back I know she felt absolutely horrible the next day she spoiled me rotten she went and got me ice cream and coloring books and all kinds of stuff for me to be able to do stuff on the couch while I sat with my foot elevated because it was so swollen. It was the size of the football we'd been playing with. Oh my you know? goodness. It was terrible. But I think looking back now, I think I recognize that there was trauma in her life where when you got hurt, you didn't ask for help. Mm. That's a weakness. Mm. You just suck it up, get up and keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's awful to recognize that in your parents when you're an adult and, and think of the, the situations as, hey, that was abusive. And it was. Mm. But mm. at the same time, I have to recognize that she didn't know any better. Yeah. 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 So that probably segues into quite a, um, an interesting place in, the, in this podcast today because we can talk about, well, what are some examples of um, inability to ask for help and what does that look like? So um, I've got a list. Oh, I love your list. You know I love your list. Take <laughs> us down the list. I, I hope our listeners like the lists. <laughs> <laughs> I think it always shows that you're prepared and you've done the work. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, sometimes it's, you know, like at the very last minute, but I still get it done. <laughs> oh, dear. Been there. <laughs> the first thing I have on this list is overgiving. Oh. Have you experienced overgiving? I have, and that's an interesting one because for whatever reason, my brain didn't make the connection between overgiving and not asking for help. But that totally makes sense. Yeah. You're trying to give to other people what it is you yourself need. Yeah. 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 And it, it's based on the sort of misguided belief that um, you have to actually earn love instead of deserving it just because of who you are. And as human beings, we all deserve love just because we're human beings, just because who we are. But people who have been traumatised and have that inability to ask for help do that overgiving in the sort of hope that if they give, someone else might give and I don't have to ask for it. Right, right. And 
for some people, that's actually a love language too. Yeah. Yeah. And that totally it, makes sense. You know, if I were to go out and, and find a really nice gift for my husband, that would be a love language gift. That's yeah. different from if I have this beautiful 1940s necklace that I absolutely love and I go to the 1940s ball and I give it to a friend of mine because I, I see them and I, I recognize they're not wearing a necklace. And if I give them my necklace, maybe mm -hmm. they'll love me more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I used to have a friend who, and when we first met, she would give me expensive gifts for you know Christmas and birthdays and like I, I'd only just met her and I was getting these really expensive gifts and I used to question you know am I not a good enough person to reciprocate I, I couldn't afford the gifts that she was giving me to reciprocate I actually felt worse about myself as it turned out the, the friendship has dissolved because she's stuck in that trauma cycle and her way of trying to, you know, get support from me, I suppose, was to give me things because she didn't believe in herself. Yeah. She's trying to purchase your love. Yeah. yeah. And in a lot of ways, I, I recognize that a lot of people have grown up like that too. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. kids that are isolated from their parents because their parents are working many long, hard hours to be able to afford these nice extravagant things like a beautiful, you know, three-story home and five cars in the garage. And what they really need from their parent is that love and attention that they're not yes. getting. And yes. what they're getting instead is that car and the fine house and the nice trips and, you know, vacations all around the world. And they think that this is how people show love. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. difficult for them to start to kind of separate that and understand that's not love, that's gifts. No. And mm -hmm. it can be an expression of love, but that's not love. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, moving on to the second one um, is codependence. Were you aware that codependence is um, part of the inability to ask for help? I did not. I know that mm -hmm. codependency is definitely a major red flag when it comes to trauma, but I didn't know it was connected. How is it connected? Well, because you feel you can't ask for help because your friend or your partner has a problem and they need you. So you need to look after them rather than, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you, you having your own needs met as well. And so your, your sense of self-worth is around what others think and you win love by taking care of others at a, at a high cost to yourself. I've been there. <laughs> but again, I, I had a very good friend that was very sick uh, with cancer and had a lot of his own trauma surrounding that mm. and I sacrificed almost all of my free time to go and take care of him and spend mm. time with him and cook and clean and you know, do all these things and completely neglect my own life my own social life I spent mm. every waking moment either working or with him mm. And when he, um, unfortunately, uh, kind of severed ties because he knew the cancer was going to take him, I didn't understand why he did that. 
Mm. When he passed, I was very angry at him. And I went through that anger stage of uh, grief for so long, trying to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And ugly. It's so ugly. <laughs> yes. And what's your next one? Uh, my next one is that you are counter dependent oh um, mm. what is counter dependent it's the opposite of codependent and you have this mantra of i don't need people and you come across as being very mysterious and hard to know very aloof but actually deep down you're you're a very lonely person i've been there too mm-hmm yeah, and that's a that that was a weird one. I lived there for quite a long time after I got away from Scotland because I had been so disappointed by so many people in my life because I kept attracting these um, horrible negative outside influences into my life yeah. that I, I was so broken. It's like I I don't need anybody. I I can do this by myself, and people only ever hurt me anyway. And I'm just going to be alone for the rest of my life. Yep, it's a safe place to be. Much yep. safer place to be. <laughs> yep, but it's awfully isolating and alone. Exactly. Exactly. So it might be safe, but it's not healthy. Yep. And it's not conducive to being um, uh, a content human being. Right. We need people. We're social. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So the next one. Um, number four is that you are trapped in a victim mindset. Mm. You sort of feel like you can never ask for help because nobody ever helps me. I have to struggle all alone, you know, like it's that sort of victim, um, you, you take it on as a persona. Right. I think we both know people or have known people that were like that as well as the people who are like, um, you need to help me more. You need to do more for me. And if you don't do more for me, that means you don't care about me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look, I, I'm really familiar with that one um, because I was trapped in that myself um, for a long time, trapped in that victim mindset of, well, you know, um, poor me. I'm stuck here. I can't do anything. I don't have any personal power to change this. Um and I, interestingly, my sister often would say to me, stop being in the victim mode. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And I used to get angry with her. And now looking back on it, I know exactly what she meant. And I know why she was saying it. But at the time, it wasn't a helpful thing to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's very hurtful when somebody is telling you to stop doing something when you don't even understand what it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's damaging and people don't realize that. That's right. That's right. But I, I don't think she was trying to damage me. I just think she was frustrated because she could see that I had potential as a human being and I couldn't see it in myself. Right. She saw that you had the ability to be able to change your circumstances and yeah. she wanted you to be able to do that, but she didn't know how to tell you that you could yeah. do that. And That's really, nice. honestly, telling somebody that they can do that is not going to change things for them. It's not going to make it any easier for them to be able to go and do that. They got to figure it out on their own. 
Yeah, that's the thing, unfortunately. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay, so number five, we're up to number five. Um, you have trust issues. You, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of feel like, you know, everybody just lets you down. You can't trust anyone ever because uh, every time we ask for help, um, you know, no one's ever going to be able to come to our, our aid. So it's best not to ask. Right. Been there too. I asked my parents for $20 to get me through for three weeks with food when I was 19 years old and they laughed at me. And I was basically homeless at the time. So I just, I decided there, there and then at 19 years old, I would never ask them for help ever again. Mm. And to this day, I really haven't. Mm. Wow. Yep. And, and it only takes one example like that um, in your life that can really shift how you feel. Oh, yeah. Yep. It alters your entire perspective, not just on the ability to ask for help, but on your relationship with those people. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I was, I was angry at them mm. for a long time. I was very angry. And one of the things that I had to come to realize later on was just because they had the money didn't mean that I was entitled to it. Mm. Mm. Now that $20, that would have gone a long way. I kept on telling myself and you know, it probably didn't go a long way with them. They probably went out and spent that on, you know, fast food for dinner. Mm. But that's their money to spend, not mm. mine. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. they were under no obligation to be able to help me at all. I would have appreciated it, I'm sure. But I think I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as understanding things the way I do now. I would appreciate it now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how life experience gets us to see things in a very different way yeah. to where we were at the time. Yeah. So, hey, if my parents are listening, mom and dad, um, I'm sorry I got mad and upset with you that time um, when I was 19 and I asked you for money. And I totally get it now. And uh, still probably not going to allow you to have any contact with me in my life. But I love you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, it's really cool that you can actually do that, you know, be forgiving and because that's part of our healing process, isn't it? We've, we've talked about that before. Capacity to forgive others and forgive ourselves is actually indicative of the fact that we are um, moving forward in our healing journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Took me a long time to get over that one, though. And it was only 20 bucks, you know? Why did I get that mad about 20 bucks? <laughs> well, because at the time, 20 bucks was um, huge for you. Right. And at the time, I thought it was between life and death. Yeah. But I obviously survived without it. Well, you're still here, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm very pleased that you are. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. What's number so, six? Number six, you have intimacy issues. Does oh, I Asking for help leave you feeling trapped is the question. Hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Depends on who I'm asking for help from. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about that. So if I, 
actually have a really good uh, example just from last night. I was sitting in the bathtub because I love to take a hot bath before bed. It relaxes me. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, a cup of hot tea with me. I was having some sleepy time tea. I was determined I was going to sleep better through the hives tonight, that last night. And while I was sitting there, I was watching a Roy Rogers movie on my iPad <laughs> from the bathtub. So it sounds like a really beautiful, relaxing moment, right? Indeed. Until the coffee mug, the tea mug, slid off of the side of the tub and shattered into a million pieces on the bathroom floor. And the mug was full when it went. Oh, no. So I kind of hollered. I didn't really shout or scream, but I went, ah! (laughs) My husband, I thought he was sound asleep. He came flying. He came running in. He's like, are you okay? It's like, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm okay. I just dropped this mug and I'm, you know, kind of pissed off right now. He's like, well, what do you need? What can I do? What can I help with? I, I'll go grab some paper towels. We'll get the, the, the tea up off of the floor. Uh, and it's like, yes, please. Thank you. Uh, that way I don't have to get out of the tub water. And, you know, here I am fully exposed because I'm <laughs> soaking in the bathtub, watching a movie and drinking tea. <laughs> and my poor husband... I swear he must have been asleep. He ran off to go get paper towels and to help me in whatever way I could possibly need his help. When really, I was the one that was wide awake and easily could have done this by myself. I'd have had to get out of the tub and dry off and you know lose my towel to soaking up the tea. But I was all right with asking for his help because he was there. He's my safe person. He's my emotional supporting person. Um, <laughs> and he's wonderful like that. But when I was in Arizona, Mm -hmm. we were wandering around and I was having severe stomach cramps and I had overdosed on antihistamines and I was going through some pretty serious stuff in a pretty major way. I was in a lot of pain. I couldn't ask him for help. He was holding my hand and walking beside me and looking at me with a concerned look on his face and I couldn't ask him for help. I wasn't just physically exposed because I was naked in a bathtub. I was mentally and emotionally exposed because I was weak and could easily be exploited. Yes. And it made you vulnerable and um, it was too frightening to ask for help. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with asking for help with cleaning up glass and, you know, all kinds of stuff from the floor while he's barefoot in the bathroom. Mm. But... Asking for help when I'm in physical pain, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I think at one point I finally told him, you know, this might just be the end of me. And I was saying it in a joking manner, but I didn't mean it in a joking way. Wow. Yeah. So you were so vulnerable that um, you sort of constructed this front and the real you was not being exposed. Right. You were too frightened because um, it made you uncomfortable, made you feel nervous about being exposed in that way. Would that be fair to say? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And being that scared of being vulnerable with somebody that I trust with my life is mm. really a weird experience because, I mean, I trust him with my life. 
but here I think my life might be in danger because I'm mm-hmm. in physical pain and agony mm-hmm. and I still can't tell him or ask him for help. Yeah. Yeah. There's because that. when you were 19 and you asked your parents for $20, you got the response that you got. That, you right. know, they're linked, aren't they? That what happens to us in our past sets us up for how we respond in the future and I think that's one thing we've one of the themes that we've covered very much so in our podcast series is that uh, the way we're brought up the those primary relationships with our parents really impact on our sense of self our sense of worth and our capacity to interact with other people depending on the situation yeah Yep. I, when I needed help the most, people weren't there for me. Mm-hmm. When I needed help in the moment because something was minor, then it was all right to ask for help mm-hmm. because, hey, you know, I don't want to clean up this glass all by myself while I'm climbing out of a bathtub. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, please help me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've had situations where I've been criticized for asking for help. Um, one friend once said to me, um, you know, you're not very independent. You, you know, when you're having problems, you always ask for help. Yeah. And I felt quite affronted by that. I'm thinking, do I really? I, I don't think I do. But, <laughs> you know, when I'm in dire straits, well, if I don't have a way out, yeah, I'll, I'll seek out support. But it's just the way she said it was it really struck me and then you know over time when when I've thought about it she was basically projecting herself onto me interesting it's funny how people do that isn't it yeah yeah so you know basically she was the one that had the inability to ask for help uh, because as it turned out she ended up in a situation where um, she needed help and I tried to help Uh, she rejected that help and um, she's now rejected me as a friend because I didn't help. <laughs> yeah. Figure that, that one. Is, that is somebody that needs an awful lot of trauma recovery work. Indeed. Indeed. But, and that's uh, a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame because she's a beautiful human being. And, um, you know, I miss her, but life is what it is. And you just have to, you know. Roll with the punches, as they say. And you have to have those healthy boundaries, too. If somebody's projecting on you, that's very unhealthy and abusive. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, that sort of leads me to the next one, number seven. You have low self-esteem. That is very common amongst pretty much all of the trauma reactions. Mm. Yeah. And it's very much... um, when we have a low self-esteem, it leaves us thinking that we just aren't good enough to deserve someone else's time and energy on us. So um, we struggle to understand why or how anyone would want to help us. Right. I wrote something just a few days ago about, um, about exactly this situation. Um, It was something about, the time that I nearly tried to uh, kill myself with mm-hmm. the, the train in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I was talking about the man who found me there at the train station. And I told him, um, he asked me for a light and I gave him my, my matches mm. and he took the matches and he lit his cigarette and he tried to give them back to me. And I tried to tell him, uh, you can go ahead and keep them because I will have no further use for them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tell him why I would have no further use for him, but he didn't ask me. And who was I to tell my troubles to a man who only wanted a light? He didn't mm. know me. He didn't care about me. And I couldn't make him care about me. Those were the thoughts that were going through my head and why I specifically did not ask for help in my darkest hour when I nearly yeah. commit suicide in front of this man. And what stopped you? His child. He had a young child that walked out and grabbed a hold of his hand. And this little kid looked up at me. And this kid looked at me with eyes of wisdom far beyond his mm. ears. Mm. And it made me really uncomfortable. I had to wait until the kid was gone. I would not ever dare to end my life with a little kid watching. He was probably about four. Mm -hmm. And I had lost my own innocence at such a painfully young age, just about that same age. I would never intentionally scar another child, regardless of how different their circumstances were. Yeah. He looked at me and it seemed like he was looking more through me. Mm. He looked too innocent and unbroken. And yet he was so wise beyond his ears. And somehow that child knew what nobody else did. He yeah. knew I was hurting and he didn't know what to do about it. And he, for a moment he looked sad and, you know, like adults tend to do, I faked uh, a sense of happiness and joy to try and change his moment of sadness. And I couldn't yeah. let him see that deeply into who I was. Yeah. He couldn't know who I was. Nobody did, not even myself. Mm-hmm. It was a heart wrenching moment. And while he was sitting there looking at me, oh. I jumped up and ran. And it took me several seconds to realize that I wasn't running down the tracks towards the train that was coming. I was running back to my prison. Wow. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so it's um, your limiting beliefs don't let you ask for help. And you secretly think that you are supposed to suffer. And that's one that I carried with me for a long time. Um, and going back to what we were saying before about childhood and parental relationships this is something that we take on board as kids and then we you know believe it's the truth and we carry it on into our adult life um we can go on and talk about this more next it kind of seems like we're not going to be running out of material for this one anytime soon the inability to trust is such a deep rooted trauma response that Honestly, when I when we were first going into this one, I was like, I don't know if we can do all this in one episode. Mm, that's true. So let's let's leave it till next time, Amanda. Um, thank you again for such a great conversation. I really enjoy our conversations, as you know, and I hope our listeners um, have got something out of today as well. Maybe some insights. So, bye everybody, and see you in a couple of weeks' time. You can find out more about Growth From Darkness through the website www.growthfromdarkness.com.
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. You can also learn more through the Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.com forward slash growth from darkness. Thank you.